0: Today on Locked On Horn Frogs, can TCU have they identified talent, and can they develop and make pieces fit like they did in last year's incredible transfer class? We'll talk about that in a moment. Plus, Sonny Dykes went on Rich Eisen's show and had some interesting comments about name, image, and likeness in the future of college football. We'll talk about all that and more next. This is Locked On Horn Frogs. You are locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, TCU uh, Locked On Horn. TCU Locked On TCU. Locked On, on Horn Frogs is the name of the show. I'm your host, Steven Simcox. Um, we're here Monday, Wednesday, Friday through the month of July. And then in August, we'll go Monday through Friday. It's your team every day. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're over 700 subscribers, which is really cool. I appreciate the continued support there. You can also find us wherever it is. You get your podcast in its audio form. And you can always comment on YouTube. You can tweet at me at LockedOnTCU as a show handle at Steven is my uh, personal handle. And if you have an idea for the show or you just want to comment on something that came up during the show, you can always uh, let me know and I will try my best to get to it. And there was a comment um, on Monday's episode from William Royal that caught my attention and I thought I would address it today. I was talking about my biggest concerns sort of going into fall camp for TCU football and I talked about the offensive defensive line, outside wide receiver, just some places where um, they're a, a little. There's not a ton of depth, at least on paper in my mind. There's a lot of unproven talent and things that, if they don't break right or if they don't go correctly, could really hurt this team. And William Royal chimed in, and I want to get to other comments, and I will in segment three today. I'm going to kind of go over some of the other comments and concerns that were mentioned. But William said, uh, at this point, I have full confidence in Sonny and the staff's ability to identify talent acquire the pieces they need, and develop players. Sonny showed that at SMU and obviously has continued that here at TCU. And so I want to talk about that for a minute because I agree with you, William, to a certain extent. William went on to say some other things that I'll get to in segment three about this current team that I I have more questions about than he does, but I appreciate your perspective on it. And I think that first part's really true. Sonny Dykes and his staff, have shown an ability to identify talent and develop it well. I think with this 2024 class, there's some guys with really high ceilings, like Tobias Steps, um, who they got in early on. Uh, Haas Haney, their QB from Alito, has gone from like, you know, three-star, a name that people knew, but maybe not one of the biggest names in the country, to now he's an Elite 11 quarterback, you know, one of the top, 10 QBs in this class, according to a lot of different scouting services and his recruitment has sort of blown up. He was originally committed to Duke, but then he flipped to TCU after the TCU coaching staff, you know, started building that relationship. And one thing that I thought about when William said this was the transfer portal class from 2022 was incredible because I remember when TCU made the college football playoff and there was so much discussion about, well, You know, traditionally TCU is one of those schools that they don't have what uh, people would call the blue chip ratio. And I don't know, I think Bud Elliott started this. And Bud Bud Elliott uh, used to work for SB Nation. Now I believe he's with 247 Sports. But Bud has been very um, steadfast on this idea of you, like you don't win a national championship unless you have 50% of your players that would be defined as blue chip players, meaning like four star, five star players. And TCU's roster didn't didn't shake out that way. And of course, they beat Michigan. And then some people sort of had to reframe what they were thinking about that, you know, complex. Of course, we know what happened in that Georgia game, and a lot of those people that were sort of rethinking that, leading up to the Georgia game, changed their mind again. But Ari Wasserman's another guy. Um, from The Athletic, who has the mantra, like, stars matter. This is the most important thing. Like, talent acquisition is the most important thing in college football. You can't get by with just a bunch of dudes with, you know, two-star and three-star ratings and and big hearts. But I say that to to mention that one thing that people were sort of putting in their mind, a narrative that started getting built uh, during that, you know, week leading up to the championship game after TCU won that game against Michigan was, oh, well, TCU was able to buck this trend because they brought in a lot of transfers the previous season and they sort of overhauled their roster, which is funny because, yes, they brought in a lot of transfers, but if you look at the guys they brought in, I mean, Mark Perry from Colorado, who was great for them last year. He was a starting safety at Colorado. That was not a name that, like, when he committed to TCU... You didn't see people at 247 and rivals and on three, like hitting the button going, oh my gosh, TCU landed Mark Perry. No disrespect. I just mean like Jared Wiley, kind of the same thing. Like was a productive player at Texas. Didn't have huge numbers. Comes over as a really nice season at TCU. Johnny Hodges from Navy, who we all know his story. I've mentioned before. Was at Navy. Decided he was going to leave. Sent out his tape to just about every school in the country. Northwestern and TCU were the only uh, people that came through and said, yeah, we'd like to have you. And um, he was good for them. Like he was there starting the linebacker was great. And the Northwestern connection was because his former high school coach was there. So TCU was really the only um, school without a connection to Johnny that said, Hey, we'd love to have you play here. Um. Amani Bailey was a guy who came up from Louisiana and did some nice things. Josh Newton from ULM, uh, another under-the-radar huge get for this TCU coaching staff. Caleb Fox from SFA, Tyman Mitchell from Georgia. Obviously, Tymon, you know from Georgia had some more pedigree just being from that program. But of the 13 transfers that they took in last year, there's only five guys that I see that weren't major contributors. Ali comes in from SMU, plays the center position all year long. It's like a certified starter, a stud for them. And so this idea that yes, TC overhauled their roster in the transfer portal, but they largely did it by identifying talent, scouting it really well, and turning those guys into great fits for what they do. It wasn't these huge names. And so last season, I mean, they were pretty close to batting a thousand as far as guys that they added and the impact that they had. There were five players that I counted that didn't really contribute much at all um, from that transfer class last season. Corey Ren Ish Burdine was another, but Ish played in the first couple games of the season. He just had a season an injury in the second game of the year, and so he was out. Um, Robbie Rochester from South Lake Carroll, but transferred in from UConn, was backup offensive lineman. Didn't play a whole lot last season, uh, and then. Ezra Dotson-Atande, the center from Arizona State. I'm not really sure where he is on the depth chart now, but he didn't play last year really at all. Of course, that was a big offensive line group, and it feels like he might be on the outside looking in a little bit this year too um, because they they brought in Colton Deary from Maryland, who most people seem to think will be TCU starting center um, next season. But that's really it. I mean, they hit on all these guys. And that's a credit to their coaching staff. Uh, Jeff Jordan is the director of player personnel, which is kind of a new position in this new world of college football with you know year-round recruiting and doing the thing. And Sunday gave a lot of credit to Jeff Jordan as far as his um, guys that maybe you know were at the group of five level or weren't playing a ton at the power five level and turning them into really good players for TCU. And so they're going to have to do that again this year. Like this transfer class is somewhat different because there's some guys like Jojo Earl didn't play a lot at Alabama, but that's a name that a ton of people know because of his great career at Alito when he was a highly ranked recruit coming out of high school. Um, We talked about Trey Sanders the other day and his potential. Jack Besh was like a freshman All-American at LSU. Avery Helm was a certified starter at Florida, who I think is going to be really good uh, for this TCU team next year. John Paul Richardson was super productive at Oklahoma State, and so like those guys, I think are going to be good for them, and those are headline names that they're bringing over. Um, Tommy Brockemeyer sort of fits that mold too, even though he didn't play much at Alabama, but you know he's a he's a former five star recruit um, coming out of high school. But they're going to need some players in this class to step up. Like they're they're going to need potentially Jalen Robinson to stay healthy and figure this out. They're going to need Dalen Wright to be a force as an outside wide receiver and Colton Deary to come in and probably start day one at center. They need Tico Brown and Rick Abreu, the two defensive linemen they brought in uh, from Central Michigan and from East Carolina, respectively, to be impact players. don't have to be necessarily day one starters, but they have to be good depth on the defensive line. And so part of me thinks like, man, they – because it's it's definitely part of it scouting. I think also some of it's just good fortune, and so it's hard to just imagine and be like, man, you know they're gonna they're gonna buy a thousand like they had last year with some of these under the radar guys that maybe didn't catch a lot of headlines turning into um, big time contributors. But I think if we have another season where you see some of these under the radar transfer players come in and have an impact, and then it again speaks to this is a really sharp coaching staff. And they are finding ways on the margins because they don't have all the advantages that everyone has across the country. They're finding ways on the margins to compete with other schools through the portal by being really smart about the type of players they're bringing in, what their fit is at TCU, and maybe just identifying talent that, you know, other teams are not. And that's huge for TCU football. So that's something to watch as we get ready to go into the season you know, can they hit on some of these transfers like they did last year? And are these play, are these guys going to be big-time players for them? When we come back, Sonny Dykes was on the Rich Eisen show yesterday, and he talked about NIL and had some interesting comments about that and sort of where college football is going. We'll talk about that next on Locked on Frogs. Let's talk about LinkedIn College, uh, linkedin.com slash Locked on College. If you're hiring or if you're not, I mean, we all just know – In college football talent acquisition matters we just talked about the transfer portal right you need the right people you need them to be the right fit um the right type of people that fit in with your culture and that is the major challenge of hiring you want to you don't want to swing and miss on these hires you want to make sure you're hiring the right people and so you need to use linkedin.com um to do that because linkedin is the i mean they're the name they are the people across the country everybody knows linkedin um that's where people go to find jobs you can you know, use their job board, use their hashtag hiring frame. You can use that linkedincom slash college to set up your um, job posting in the way that's going to attract people. And then, once you do that, you're going to need screening, que- screening questions and simple tools that LinkedIn will, LinkedIn will offer you um, that allows you to sort of weed out. Okay, this person maybe not the best fit for this job. So you can interview the right people and then finally find the right folks to work for your company. LinkedIn.com slash College. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash College. Use it today. You can post your job for free. That's the most important thing to know. You can do it for free at LinkedIn.com slash College. Use their database. They are the, uh, sorry, I just did a little video there. They are the main name in uh, talent acquisition and finding talent for your business. If you own a small business, if you're hiring people, use LinkedIn jobs and use them today. Having all sorts of tech issues today. Sorry about that. Okay, let's keep rolling along here. I'm locked on Horn Frogs. Um, so, Sonny Dax was on the Rich Eisen show yesterday. Rich Eisen has a national radio show, also does a lot of stuff for NFL Network. And uh, is famously a Michigan alum. And so, it's always funny when he has Sonny on because, of course, what TCU did to Michigan cost the college playoff last year. And Rich was very complimentary about TCU after that game. I think he was one of the few people – there were so many people after that game that – just talked about Michigan and their failures and didn't talk a lot about TCU and what they did. But Rich was one of the few guys that was like, man, that team was fast. They were physical. They came with bad intentions. They hit people. And that's a good football team. And I appreciated that because there was so much reaction that didn't really include a lot of that praise. It was just, what was Jim Harbaugh doing, you know, in, in such a missed opportunity for the Wolverines? But Sunday nights was on the program. Just talking about the upcoming season. And Rich Eisen asked him about NIL. and so. They're trying to. They just as a general term here, um, the college football world is trying to find a way to regulate NIL. You know, we we know what happened. The NCAA failed here miserably. They put this issue off for years. They kicked the can down the road. They didn't want to acknowledge um, college student athletes as people that can make money. And so then finally, courts got involved and said, "No, you you can't continue to do this." And then all heck broke loose. Because at one time, you know, one day it was like you couldn't make money off endorsements, and the next day it was like, okay, now you can. And it's been a crazy, crazy world with all the different, you know, opportunities for college athletes in the last few years. Um, And so there's a ton of questions about what can you do to sort of regulate this. And Sonny Dykes was asked about um, NIL and the future of it, and if he thinks Congress should get involved. Because right now, Tommy Tuberville – um, who was former tech coach, also former Auburn coach. He has proposed a bill that will put some regulations in place uh, for name, image, and likeness. There's another. There's other members of Congress that are um, helping him with this. And Sonny said yes. He thinks the federal government should get involved. Now, he went on to say, like, the federal government has a lot be- – has, you know, much better things to do than worry about revenue sharing in college sports. But we need some sort of regulation, some sort of stopgap, in this world, because what we have going on right now is not working. Um, it's it's just a crazy time to be a college football coach. And Rich Eisen asked him point blank, have there been guys that have come into his office and been like, "Hey, I'm making the, this school's offering this much money to me, and so unless you can match that, you know, I can't I can't be here." And he said, "Yes, that has happened." And he didn't say who. Um, he, he could sort of alluded to, it was mainly happening when he took over after, you know, Gary Patterson was let go and they were scrambling to get that roster set. And so I can think of a few names of guys that probably came to him and were honest and were like, Hey, you know, this is, this is what I'm being offered. And I don't say that to like demonize players because like this idea, people get upset about players leaving for money and I get it. I mean, like, We're all TCU fans here. We want guys to be super loyal to TCU. Um, But people make decisions based on money every day. I mean, you know, it's just like people go to different jobs because they got better money. Um, People take different opportunities because there's better money involved. Like that's a huge determining factor in just about everything we do. And so these student-athletes are no different, right? Like they're trying to get the most for them. And, yes, there's risk with that involved. Not everybody gets what they're promised. But um I understand why they would be chasing those those different offers. And Sonny went on to say for some of those guys that left, it didn't work out exactly how they wanted because these contracts, you know, along with the regulations issues, these contracts can sort of be written however. Like there's there's no clear, concise way that these collectives or whoever it is that's giving these endorsement deals have to write these contracts. So oftentimes, you know, these these athletes don't see the exact money amount or close to what they were promised because frankly, people are, you know, over-promising and kind of playing them and trying to get them to commit and sign um, before they really get down to the details of what they're actually offering these student athletes. Another thing he said um, that caught my attention was he was like, you know, grad transfers can leave at any time and they essentially have immediate eligibility. And He said, you know, there's some guys on on the roster that have graduated and they could just not show up to fall camp. And he said that he hopes they do. And I I think he was just speaking in generalities. Like, I don't feel like he was talking necessarily about specific players that he's worried about. I I imagine it's just one of those things that all coaches are constantly, um, you know, keeping them up at night because they have to be, they have to be prepared for every different scenario. Um, But, You know, as we've said, it's kind of the Wild West. But Sonny also said that he advocated for a long time uh, for student athletes to get paid. And he didn't, like, he doesn't have any begrudging feelings about this. He's, you know, he's not trying to hurt players. He wants players to get what they can. He just wants better rules and regulations in place for the future of NIL, which I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, And I don't know, but the, the issue is, I don't know how we get there. And if you want to hop in on the comments here and say like, if you have an idea for how we get better rules and regulations in the name image and likeness world, I would love to hear it. Um, people have mentioned like a CBA, a collective bargain agreement, like pro sports. And that just doesn't seem super feasible. I mean, I, I get where people are going with that, but that means players would have kind of resolutions and, and, um before when that happens, there's just a lot that that kind of brings up its own can of worms. And so I'm not sure what's gonna happen and I don't have a great solution for it. Um, but it's a crazy world, and I think there do need to be more rules. I'm all for student athletes getting paid. And for a long time, I was an advocate for like, this is silly, the NCAA is is robbing these guys, like they deserve to make some money, I just, you know, I would like to see some more clear rules. And and I don't know if that's limiting transfers. It's maybe two transfers while you're in college, you know, one free transfer, which is sort of what they've already done. If it means guys signing NIL contracts that are more binding, it's like, hey, you can come get this endorsement money, but you need to be here for two years. I don't know what the solution is, but somebody has to come up with a more uniform system. Because right now, um, there's there's just really no rules and regulations to, to what's going on. And it's a pretty crazy space. But all that being said, TCU seems to be doing okay. They're definitely losing some guys that are just getting money whipped and going somewhere else. But I feel like for the most part, TCU is doing what they can to take care of these student athletes and be competitive in the NIL space. When we come back, uh, we'll take one break here and then we'll wrap up with some audience questions. This is Lockdown Horn Frogs. All right, final thing here, Uh, I talked about Trey Sanders and his potential emergence on Monday. I also talked about questions going into fall camp, and some of you chimed in. Um, Craig said on YouTube, Trey's character and determination is reminiscent of a player last year named Max. No matter what the world thought about TCU, I never heard a negative word about Max. That level of can-do is universally acclaimed. Yeah, I mean, Trey's definitely a guy that a lot of people are rooting for, you know, not just TCU fans. I think Alabama fans are. I think across the country, if he has a good year and – the more and more people hear about his story, they're going to be rooting for Trey. We love comeback story. We love people that put their head down and work hard and get the job done. And he's definitely an example of what can happen when you don't give up and um, when you don't really give in. And that's that's going to be a huge rallying point, hopefully for this team this year. Uh, Richard Berry said, I never looked into how severe the injuries were for Trey Sanders. So that's a real wild card there. Um, his main question is chemistry. Can this team get together fast enough to not have any slip-ups at the beginning? Last year's team, there's a lot of players that have been together for a long time. They knew each other's tendencies. If they can get together, then we should be fine. That's a good point. You know, one thing else about chemistry, it's it's a tough needle to thread. And I I remember I've told the story before, but I remember being I was producing Matt Mosley's show um in the radio world and we had Gary Patterson on before the twenty twenty uh one season, and he talked about how that team he felt like that group was the – that team had the best chemistry he had seen since the Rose Bowl. And that was coming off the COVID year. They finished strong, you know, coming back that next season. Lane Zach Evans late in the the recruiting process. There was some excitement. There was some energy around the team. And uh, then, of course, they lose to SMU at home. And then it seemed like things kind of imploded. And there were murmurs that, you know, after the SMU game – a lot of that chemistry sort of went away. And I, I think last year's team had great chemistry. I'm wondering how much of that was built by just winning some close games. I feel like when you start winning and that momentum gets going, it's really easy to stay together and and lock arms and be one unit. Um, and Sonny talked about that. I mean, you just talked about how mature that team was last season. And so it's a good point. Uh, and unfortunately, it's just one of those things you never really know until, you know, stuff hits the fan, how the team's going to react. But – um, yeah, chemistry and the ability to withstand some adversity is going to be something that's fascinating to watch. Blake Murphy said, Miller was a man all last year We might see running back by committee until somebody emerges. Uh, yeah, Kendra Miller was fantastic. And Amari Mercado was really good too. I feel like we will see running back by committee for a while. Um, and then eventually somebody should hopefully take the bulk of the carries. But running back is one of those positions that I feel like you can't really get a sense of it until – you know, you get some contact going. And so I think they're going to see how these guys um, stack up once the games start. Uh, Zoom play said TCU, the running back room, is one of the best in the country. They're going to be more explosive than last year. I would love to see that. I mean, I know Monty Bailey is an explosive player. You know, Cam Cook's the name we mentioned. We'll kind of see what he looks like when he gets there in fall camp. Um, There's definitely potential there. It's just about it coming together at the right time. William Royal, I shared some of his thoughts earlier. He also said uh, if Sonny Dyke says we're 10 deep on the defensive line, then I believe that. He's not super worried about the OL or DL. He thinks they have dudes and they brought in some more dudes. Um, he thinks they have more talent than last year's team. And the question on just speaking, they stay healthy and put all the piece together to win big games. I have more concerns about the O-line and D-line than you do, but yeah, I mean, Sonny not a guy that just kind of throws things out there. So I definitely took took note of the fact that he thinks there's depth on this defensive line, even though I have questions about it. And we'll sort of see how that plays out as as the year goes on. Um, but you're right. I mean, they were so healthy last year. That is one of the big wild cards here. Uh, Tanner McKinney said he's curious about how good the running back battle is going to be um, and who the starting linebackers are. I think linebackers pretty set. I mean, I think it's going to be Johnny Hodges, Des Moy Hodge, and then, you know, maybe Shad Banks um that would be my first guess or potentially terrence cooks they're pretty deep there marcel brooks is another name to know we'll see how that how that plays out and then cfb underscore fan said uh, for fall camp i'm wondering who the number one wide receiver will be and uh there's just a ton of guys he doesn't know yep that's going to be a big question who kind of emerges as that number one guy on the outside we'll see here over the next few weeks once practice starts we'll be back again on friday i'm steven simcox your host this is locked on horn frogs it's your team every day